Before I begin, I'd like to note that when I write from Nam or Biraranga, I do so as an uninvited guest, a settler. My indigenity and blackness don't change the fact that I'm a beneficiary of indigenous dispossession in these unceded lands. So I'd like to pay my respects to the elders of the Wurundjeri and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and to any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander folks encountering my work. I'd also like to acknowledge us povos indigenous do Amazonia, the Tupi Guarani, who were the first to tell the legend of Iwata. Keep in mind that the way the tale was first told has no doubt been butchered by colonizers and their gendered tongue, much like the people to whom the story belongs and the land it's set on. As you read or listen to this piece, think of the Amazon, of its ongoing destruction, led and carried out by white invaders for over 500 years. Slender creatures sway above me slowly like seaweed. A glossy blue-green light emanates from their bodies. I watch their dance with the same wonder of a child looking through a kaleidoscope, but I don't have to hold them up against the light for their magic to be revealed. It's dark out, but they are so brilliant I can see them with my eyes closed. I draw circles on my damp, soft tummy, leaving glittering traces where my fingers have been. Is a wet thing wet if it only knows water? I'm unsure if the creatures pulled me out of the river or joined me in it. In perfect sync, they place stars on my naked body. This is an offering. I am Iwata, Mandagua. Actually, you know what? Let me do you a favor and save you from the once I ate some drugs and tripped balls narrative. Last time I went back to Brazil, my friends and I dropped some acid. There was a pool. I decided I just had to get naked and get in. Hallucinated I was a mermaid and so on and so forth. We've all been there. You get the gist of it. People call acid doce over there, which translates to sweet. And was it a sweet trip? Yes. So sweet that before I got on the plane back here, I got a massive tattoo of Iwata to remember both trips by, if you know what I mean. But does the world really need another Bukowski, Hunter S. Thompson, Jack Kerouac wannabe? Don't think so. Iwata was one of those people who were just like annoyingly good at everything, without even trying. Bitch could fight, sing, and was a total babe, with her brown skin and eyes straight jet black hair, and an absolute rocking bod. Well, apart from the whole being a fish from the waist down thing, I guess, but that wasn't always the case. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is pretty great, but unpopular opinion, Ferris Bueller himself is a little shit. The kid is everyone's fave. And yet, I always find myself siding with his sister, Jeannie, because Ferris gets away with pretty much everything. He can do no wrong because he's one of those people. And being siblings with the righteous dudes of the world is fucking frustrating. I know, because up until my mom and I moved to so-called Australia with my mom, my siblings were nothing short of adored by everyone in my small world, a big part of which was church. My mom, all boyish looks and hair like Derek Shepherds, aka McDreamy, 
emitted a natural, gentle kindness, rare among young men in their late teens and early twenties. Once there was this big kerfuffle among the church ladies over who would be his elder in prayer. No time to get into that, it's a whole thing. But it's a wonder he only got married in his mid-thirties, considering the number of available daughters being pushed his way by their hopeful mothers. Maimon, on the other hand, was admired for her creativity. She kind of channeled Let Go Avril Lavigne in style, which was cool, because at the time, everyone sort of dressed the same. Like, for years after we moved here, I could spot a Brazilian person in the crowd like this, especially women. It was always a tight, plain white t-shirt, light blue jeans, and sneakers. No, not sneakers, runners. Meanwhile, my mom made do with whatever second-hand clothes she found in the church donation pile and deemed cool, not giving two fucks whatever people thought. She also drew a lot, turned our shared bedroom walls into art pieces. Then there was me, a quiet, skinny kid with a huge head. Literally, my head was like humongous for my body. My siblings and cousins would follow me around their apartment singing Pirulit Cabesud, Pirulit Cabesud, which means big-headed lollipop. They even had a Macarena-inspired dance for it and everything. As a kid, I never really got to be Ana Maria. I was Deborah and Tiago's little sister. Though I've seen the film a billion times, part of me still hopes that Ferris will eventually get caught. So, even though trying to murder her was overkill, I can see why Iwata's brothers wanted to. But still, even Jeannie helps Ferris out in the end. The difference between my siblings and Ferris is that they weren't show-offs, and I don't reckon Iwata was either. Her father was the Pajé, which means he was one of the tribe's spiritual leaders. Pajés are basically wizards. They conduct rituals, have the intel on the future, invoke and control spirits, stuff like that. People often say that preachers' kids are the ones who tend to go wrong. And as a daughter of a pastor myself, I'm here to tell you, they're totally right. It's just what happens when you're constantly being watched by a community. My mind once confessed that she isn't such a huge fan of organized religion, but she keeps showing up to church every Sunday because it's comforting to be around others who share her core belief that Jesus Christo is her Lord and Savior. But a church can also be a breeding ground for dangerous mob mentality, a hellhole if you may. And if there's anyone who knows a thing or two about that, it's my mom who got knocked up when she was single, married a pastor who wasn't even her baby daddy, then divorced him. The few people who knew he'd been an abusive alcoholic made sure she was the one who came across as a bad guy in the relationship if word got out about it. It's a lot of pressure having all those eyes on you. Not to mention the expectation that, as the preacher's family, you must be an active member of the congregation. My siblings were part of the youth worship team, and I helped take care of babies at Sunday night services. In my head, Yuwada fought like Serena Williams plays tennis, and her singing abilities are likened to those of J-Hud in Dreamgirls. So it's no wonder everybody was standing her, most of all her father, 
she was his favorite. And listen, she was probably genuinely going all Gretchen Wieners in Mean Girls, apologizing about how popular she is, post-burn book conundrum. And, you know, it's not like her jealous brothers could disguise her foot cream as face lotion or cut holes in her singlet. So they decided to kill her. Obviously. But as we've established, Yuwata was a boss bitch. So she killed him first. Creatures, kids, we do tend to go wrong. And when we do, we must be punished harshly, made an example of. Among other things, my Hima and I turned out to be real gay. Lucky we moved countries before that came out. So the church didn't get to discipline us. Except, you know, we're doomed to burning hell for all of eternity. So there's, um, there's that. Iwata tried to run and hide, but her father being pretty much Dumbledore, obviously found her. At which point he just like chucked her in the river? I can't find any version of the story that says the Pajé's intention was to kill his daughter. My theory is that he was trying to make it look like it, otherwise he'd never hear the end of it from the rest of the church, I mean tribe. Iwata was a warrior who grew up by the world's widest river. Pretty sure she'd be a champion swimmer. I think she just gave up, stopped swimming. But the fish in the river recognized Yuada's value. Together, they brought the first half of her body up to the surface to force air back into her lungs. The second half, they transformed into their likeness, claiming her as their own. Men still avoid the banks of Ohio Negri Solimons at dawn. There resides Iwata. She attracts and entrances them with her song and beauty. Once hypnotized, Acerea Amazonica pulls them down to the bottom of the river where most drown to death. Only a page of great skill can cure the madness of those who manage to survive. I've spent my entire life trying to put into words the pain that comes with being betrayed by your own father. One of two people who are meant to care for you with their entire beings. I'm a bilingual writer. You'd think I would have come up with a description by now. But I haven't and I'm not sure I ever will. It's just one of those things that if you haven't suffered through it, you'll never be able to comprehend the feeling. So what's the point in even trying to turn it into words for others? I'll say this though, that pain never goes away. Neither does the feeling that if your parent is willing to hurt you so badly, there must be something inherently wrong with you. Warriors or not, it's enough to make a lot of us just give up and stop swimming. I have more than once. But like the fish of Amazonas, others saw the value in me. And like her, 
I survive. Tripping balls on acid or not, I am Iwata Mandagua. And one day, men will pay for what they've done to me.